Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Today is January 3rd, 2014, and this is episode number 163. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back. We're glad to have you on for this ride, our next year in the books here. We're starting them anyways, and with me as always... Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Yes, Happy New Year to everyone out there. Looking forward to a crazy year in 2014 of location-based marketing and all that's related to it. So should be fun. It is. And, and well, it will be. And uh, so far, it already is, Asif. Um, I you know. know. I, I, uh, we came up with our predictions uh, show last week. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to tell you that I'm already over. I haven't, I haven't, it's three days into the month and, and none of my predictions are, are, have happened yet. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> Hmm. Well, the good the good thing is, Rob, you got like another three hundred and sixty, you know, some Something odd days, days to go. So, yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that I think I was over last year. I'm gonna, I, I want to keep the streak. That's my goal. My goal is to keep the streak. Well, the feedback has been good, and we thank you. Uh, we'd love you to, you know, if you have any comments about the 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 predictions that we did make or the stories that we thought were so relevant and so important in 2013, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out anytime. We get this over with. Rob at Untether.tv, Asif at the LBMA.com. That is the way that you reach us, obviously. Um, before we actually get into anything, you know, our six stories, our mobile minute with Chuck, uh, our app of the week, our guest, our resource, all that stuff. I got a couple of things. I said I would follow up with. Uh, with you guys on this time around. And there was a great, 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 great review uh, of This Week in Location-Based Marketing on the App Store, the US App Store. And uh, I mentioned it last week. I'm gonna actually tell you, read it to you right now. This is by Showbread Owns. Showbread Owns, that is what he goes by on iTunes. Uh, he says, and I quote, it's four out of five stars, which is okay, not great, Showbread. But I appreciate the fact that you did this. He says, um, the title of the podcast sounds like its audience would be incredibly specific, but the hosts manage to maintain relevance for a wider variety of marketers. They're hyper-focused on bridging the gap between physical and digital realms of business, and they manage to churn out some really cool, something really cool every week. The segmented format makes the one-hour format simpler to digest. Then he says, the deductions minus one star is that uh, for the audio drops, which we have fixed... Because a CFO, yes, a CFO again, mic. Yes. new mic, new mic, big new mic. And he said there's a bit of overproduction, especially on the front end of the cast. The drop D guitar strums are as startling as they are unnecessary. In the big picture, though, it's a mildly terrifying moment in an otherwise enlightening production. So, Showbread owns if that's your real name. Thank you so much for that great review. We really appreciate it. God, I love reviews like that. Yeah, Four to five stars. It. We, we need more of those. So if you're listening and you get this in iTunes, you know, go on there, give us that five-star rating. We are also on Forget Stitcher. Forget about dropping us by one. Give us the full five stars and tell us why you love it. Or give us a one-star. Uh, we don't care. Yeah. Just or why you it. hate it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we're also on Stitcher, so if you, you, know, you can subscribe there as well. The second shout-out just happened right now. Cheryl Tarnaski of Corey. Cheryl and I worked at a company called Animatics a number of years ago, like, a, like maybe a two lifetimes ago. Cheryl, if you're listening to this, maybe it was three lifetimes ago. 
Um, but she said, hey, listen, she's looking forward to seeing, hearing about what is going on in this industry from the two of us, that is Asif and myself, through this podcast. So Cheryl, thank you so much. We really appreciate Cheryl's support. She's always there liking things that we post and commenting on them and retweeting and sharing. So Cheryl Tarnaski, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep it up, please. Yes. Give us, give us a review, Cheryl. That'd be great. Hmm. And she's All right. Corey. All right. So uh, you've got a few events that you want to push now that we are into the uh, back into it. We do the like it's it's January and things are uh, are cranking up in a hurry here. So uh, three things, uh, three LBMA events in January. Uh, first in Amsterdam. So there's a meetup of the. These are all local chapter events, by the way. So Amsterdam, January the thirteenth. Uh, so that's like two Mondays uh, from now. Um, and uh, so if, if you're in Amsterdam, uh, just, you know, all these events, you can just go to the lbma.com uh, forward slash events. You'll see all the events listed there. Um, and uh, so that's just like a, a social gathering, actually, a New Year's kind of social gathering of, you know, all the folks in Amsterdam connected to the LBMA. That's on the 13th. But, on you know, 15th, Asif, can, I, can I just interrupt? Yeah. You know, you, uh, some Americans now don't even have to go to Amsterdam to get their pot legally anymore. Mm -hmm. right. they're, they're opening like pot stores. I thought we All were a progressive nation. We, we should talk about that soon on the show, Rob. I'm sure there's some kind of technology, location, mobile angle to that. Well, there might be, but you know what they're finding is that they get sticker sticker shock when, hey, look, your your pot is taxed now, and it's like yeah. more expensive than street pot. Huh. Anyways, yeah. so you don't have to go to Amsterdam to get your pot. You should go no. there to go and listen to go to the event. But, you know, like this show that we're going to be having today is, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of alcohol. You know, Liquor infused. way to get your high. But anyways. All right, your uh, second event. Anyhow. Sorry so for that. the 13th in Amsterdam. On the 15th uh, in New York, the, the chap New York chapter is hosting something called a Location Innovators Retail Roundtable. Uh, we've got a bunch of great speakers. It's sponsored by RevTrax and uh, the Associated Press. In fact, it's at the Associated Press's uh, head office in New York. So it should be a fun venue as well to uh, to check out. Uh, excited about that one. So that's on the 15th in the evening. Um, check that out. And then on the uh, 29th, yes, 29th, uh, we are hosting a meetup of the Atlanta chapter. Uh, and that is focused on sort of the travel hospitality industry. And we've got, it's, uh, it's a fireside chat with uh, Jonathan Stevens from JetBlue uh, Airlines and Lisa West from Intercontinental Hotels. Um, so it should be a, a fascinating evening uh, looking at mobile and location in that uh, industry as well. So anyways, 13th Amsterdam, 15th New York, 29th in, uh, in Atlanta, and more to come. I think you should do a, uh, the LBMA event in Barbados soon, man. Yeah. Like yeah. in January, like tomorrow. Are you, because you're, you're coming for that one, right? I, yeah, absolutely. I'll bring yeah. my whole family. Like I am, I, you know, for those of you who are watching, uh, you'll see it right here. I'm, I'm wearing the thickest sweater that I can possibly muster up. <laughs> for those that are listening, it is, it is a, I think it's a pretty cool hoodie, but um, it is because our high today, the temperature, we've been in a deep freeze. I know that they're getting hammered in the in Northeast in the United States, but we've been in deep freeze for a week now. The average temperature here during the day is minus 25 degrees Celsius. With wind chill today, minus 39 out there. That's cold. Hey, that's even cold for it Canadians. Cold. It's cold everywhere, though. The whole East Coast is, it's is crazy. freezing right now. I haven't seen this kind of a winter since, you know, since I was a kid in the 70s. Yes. So... 
you know, and because Rob, you're you're always on here talking about the Yankees and the uh, you know, and 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 that guy Springsteen or whoever he is. Yes. You know, I, I at least got to get one little plug in here. I mean, come on, the Leafs pulled it out in the Winter Classic. Six thousand people watching that game. That was insane. Yeah, that's crazy. A good friend of mine, Steve Oliver, was there. He enjoyed Love it with his it. son. Yeah. Love it. Um, you know, what a game, you know, playing in the in the freezing cold and the snow all over the place. It was it was it was amazing to watch. I'm sure that the players uh, felt that way. Yeah, you know what though, when when is that ever going to happen again? I mean, I think but, if you're a player you just do it because it's it's just it's such a unique experience. It is. And I think it was 2 or 3 years ago that was when uh, Sidney Crosby uh, got his second yeah. concussion that knocked him out. For those or for almost a year so i mean you've got to be very careful with those games but boy did it ever look fun it was like they were out there with the shovels man shoveling off the ice it like was awesome know? yeah it was awesome anyhow so they won all right we got a big jam-packed show today we do why don't we start with chuck martin and the mobile minute as we always do on these episodes we do these every single day we i sit with chuck we record a bunch of them and then i roll them out every single day on untether.tv you can subscribe obviously right there or you can just go and watch them all there are 213 or 14 that have, that have been published already and here is one that hasn't here's chuck martin and our mobile minute welcome back to another mobile minute chuck lucky you you're heading to vegas going to ces what do you expect to see yeah, me and 150,000 of my closest friends. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually, you'll love this. It's now International CES, the International CES show. It's no longer CES. No, it's, it's no longer the Consumer Electronics Show. It's now International CES. Like IBM doesn't stand for anything anymore. Now CES doesn't stand for anything. So it, I'm going to the CES show. Uh, but, but a lot of mobile innovation, that's what I'm going to be looking for in terms of mobile commerce. And you have companies like Euclid, which we've talked about here, where they've got uh, 20 million shopping sessions they track with with sensors in many hundreds of stores around around North America. Uh, well, this kind of stuff, this kind of tracking is that's what I'm looking for. And there's going to be a, a actually a, a, a scavenger hunt there using iBeacon, Apple's iBeacon. So I'll be participating in that as well. And the idea is driving someone to a location. What what is going to be the future of that? Um, there are going to be all kinds of mobile payments there. The the Loop people are going to be there. Loop Pay uh, people we've talked about here. So I'll be meeting with the founders of, of that. I expect a lot of innovative agencies. Sapient Nitro is going to be there, and, and they're they're always leading edge in terms of, of mobile and what's going on. Nuance that does the Siri voice uh, and and. Uh, and Dragon Technology, they're going to be there, so I'll be seeing with them. And I want to see what they're up to in terms of commerce. So uh, there's a lot happening, and, and this kicks off tomorrow, Tuesday, and it's going to be a very, very big event. So we'll be talking about this in days to come with you. What do you think, though? Are we talking, are, are they more grounded this year? The companies that you, you think you're going to see there are in, in, the, in the near future, not so far in the distant well, there are a couple kinds of different kinds of companies. The Samsungs of the world are all there, and they've, they've got some really substantial technology now because of their global platform. Uh, but there are also going to be many, many startups, and, and I'm looking at sort of the innovation in the startups to see what, what they have coming. And I look at these really as not necessarily the product, but as the, the indicators and the trends of where the mobile commerce marketplace is going. So I'm, I'm looking for kind of indicators of, of movement and direction as opposed to specific products. 
Chuck Martin, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we do those every single day, as I said. He, if you don't know about Chuck, he's written two books on mobile, and he also does a daily article at Media Post. He runs the e-commerce and the m-commerce uh, columns at uh, on MediaPost.com, and I love the fact that he does a, with, that with me, and I love the knowledge that I gain from him, and you should as well. He's a very smart, 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 smart guy. Anyway, Chuck Martin. All right, on with the app of the week. So I got a little story behind this about the app of the week. If you, if yep. you. Do this. This is how it all came about. All right. Um, I actually took my car into the shop last week and uh, I got stuck there for seven and a half hours. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible experience. The customer service is uh, the last thing that they think about. So um, I, I pushed out a, a, a Twitter post that said basically, um, you know, I'm stuck at this um, my, my dealer's place uh, of business and they un they don't understand that when they talk about customer service it's not just about servicing the car it's about servicing me as well and they kept me there all day and then when my car was finally ready they just put it off and put it off and it was finally ready they parked it in a snowbank on some ice and I got stuck so I, I, I literally lost my mind. I went down, I screamed at the service manager and uh, he didn't even know what to do. He just stood there, he's like silent. And I walked out and then, I, and then the guys, there was five mechanics that were helping me push the car out and they were pushing and pushing and pushing and they were screaming, they were cursing like, who's the idiot that parked it here? Who's the idiot that has this car? Whose car is this? What an idiot. I just put my hand up and I said, I'm the idiot. This is my car and you're the one who parked it here. So just shut up. And they pushed me out, and then I went back down to the customer service manager, and I said, listen, is this the kind of uh, shop that you run? This is Bank Street Mazda, if you're interested. And they said, like, you know, you got to think about customer service. And if this is how you run, I don't want any part of your business. So I tweeted something out like that. Mark Kasdorf over at Intrepid.io, uh, they made a Timber app, uh, which uh, he's been on here. He's been on, on Tether.tv. Sent me a note, said, hey, listen, okay, Rob, check out OpenBay. So I jumped on and I downloaded OpenBay and it's only available in the States. But this is a great application. If you are like me, frustrated with your mechanic, frustrated with everything and uh, want a different change and, and actually want maybe even to find a, a, a mechanic that specializes in the exact same, the exact problem that you're having with your car, this is it. So it's quite literally, you say, listen, my car is this model, this year, I'm looking for tires, I need to replace my brakes. I need something other than these idiots who are working on my car right now. And you, it goes through a process and then it submits it and it gives you a list of people that are around you that actually uh, that do this for you. They can actually service you. Uh, and I freaking love this. It's available at openbay.com. It's uh, obviously a, a mobile application as well. But I, Mark sent this to me. I, I just I thought, oh, why? Why am I not in America? I don't think about that very often, but this is something that I would love to do. So openbay.com. Cool, cool, cool little app. You know, simple. And, and there's so many, I mean, I mean, there's so many stories and so many industries like that, right? Where, you know, they just, they just don't know what to do, right? I mean, they, there's no process that's in place for no. handling, you know, these issues. The guy just, as you said, he just stands there and listens uh, and takes it in. And then, uh, you know, he's on to the next one, right? You yep. know, like, let's just ring up the next, uh, the next guy. Um, you know, it, it's crazy. So, and I was just a, as you were talking there, I was I was uh, I was looking at um, at uh, a Twitter uh, stream here, and some, somebody I know just posted that uh, a guy wrote a letter, an open letter uh, to American Airlines, uh, complaining that it, he thought that he was sitting beside a baby hippopotamus the entire uh, flight, and uh, was complaining what? about this. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, yeah. So I mean, like, how do you deal with that? Right? You just um, you, that's terrible. <laughs> well, first of all, that guy's a terrible human being for saying that. Uh, but second of all, like yeah, yeah. there's got to be some wow, a baby hippopotamus. Yeah. 
Well, I'd, I I probably called this service manager a baby hippopotamus. He doesn't listen to this. I'm pretty sure of it. I don't even know the guy's name, but he just stood there and took it. Uh, and and the thing that really got me is that you know you talk about services that it, they charged me for uh, labor, and I thought like the part was like eighty bucks, labor was four hundred dollars. I'm like, no, no, wow. no, 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 no. And then who? How do I charge you back my eight hours that I've been sitting here? Anyways, it was a brutal experience, but that's why Mark sent this to me. So openbay.com, they reached out to me. I've been uh, negligent in reaching back out to them. So if you're listening to this, I will get in touch with you because I'd love to have you on, on Tether.tv to have this conversation awesome. a little bit deeper. So openbay.com, our app of the week. Now we get into the six stories. 47 minutes into the episode, we're going to start our six stories. Uh, All right, we'll we'll go quick. Yes, uh, the Booze. first story, um, you know, we we uh, it's not about pot, as as Rob was alluding to in Amsterdam, but it is about alcohol, uh, and specifically vodka. And uh, you know, as much as Rob wants to be an American so he can have open bay, you know, I'm happy to be a Canadian because we have things like this coming out of this great country. Yes. So this is uh, some uh, group of researchers at York University have uh, come up with a way to use vodka to transmit. Um, Just stop there. Just use vodka. They've come up with use a way vodka, to, to use power vodka. text messages basically in the air, you know, by emitting, you know, chemical um, emissions basically, right? Um, uh, so, you know, moisture effectively is, is what we're talking about here. Uh, and, and, and vodka specifically uh, is what they're using to generate this. And so they've sent the world first vodka power text message that said, Oh, Canada, uh, on the other end. Um, and there's a little video that, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll show around this, but it, it's really interesting. So, and what they're going after here is, uh, you know, right at the moment, this isn't being viewed as a, as a marketing thing. Uh, they see this as a way to transmit messages in areas where radio signals don't work uh, very effectively. So, you know, in sewer systems, for example, um, where you know we can send we can send something out from one end of a sewer system and have 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 the you know, the mist the vodka mist, if you will, you know, uh, permeate throughout the sewer system and get that message out to you know people on on, on other ends of it. Um, so really, really interesting uh, way to transmit messages and obviously very efficient in in certain uh, scenarios. Um, you know, I don't know how people come up with this stuff. Obviously, I mean, these guys are you know scientists. Uh, I know exactly how stuff. they do it. Uh, and doing this every day, but it, it's it's crazy. Um, and and all ultimately, you know, when I read it, as much as this is not being positioned as a marketing thing, I mean, you could think about marketing crazy marketing campaigns that for the vodka companies, things like this, vodka yeah. companies, yeah. and 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 all sorts of other things that potentially are scent based, uh, you know, campaigns, you know, that could be triggered, um, you know, from a from some sort of um, you know emission like this. So so this is really interesting stuff. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I I beg to differ that this isn't the the very first uh, you know a vodka infused uh, text message that has been sent. I'm pretty sure that I've sent a few vodka inspired text messages, yes. uh, things that you might regret in the in the morning. Um, certainly, I don't think that it's that much of a big deal. And uh, this is what was so big deal is that is that this is done with uh, with you know less than a hundred dollars worth of uh, equipment um, and off the shelf equipment. And I saw this great great comment. That somebody posted and they said this is basically alcohol smoke signals right <laughs> this is exactly what it is and the way that they described it it could be just a great little radar um but this is this is pretty neat for vodka for the use of vodka but you'd have to use the cheap stuff i would say right like you would use the good stuff <laughs> yeah you don't want to be using the, the no. crazy expensive stuff but anyhow Kids, don't use the expensive uh, stuff you know innovation nonetheless so yeah. uh, but it know, led so you to, to find this other story that you've been holding back for a little while around beer yes 
So this is an older yeah. story. Um, actually, cider, uh, Strongbow, Strongbow yeah, cider. This is over in the uh, in the UK now, um, and so they created this thing called the Start Cap uh, campaign. And so basically, in the cap bottle caps of the cider bottles, they embedded RFID chips. And basically, when you open up, you know, one of these bottles, the RFID chip triggers uh, some sort of experience to happen. Um, and so one of the examples, uh, and there's there's a video that goes with this one as well. One of the examples is is that you open up the bottle, and it, it triggers the jukebox in, in the uh, in the bar to start playing, uh, you know, a certain uh, piece of music, uh, or it might uh, enable a Foursquare check-in automatically to happen, or you know, something along those lines. So, it's interesting. I mean, it's 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 gimmicky, but it's very you know very much about you know creating an experience at a specific location. You know, and tying it back to the physical product, which I like. Um, you know, we can take that technology and put it in the product, and and sort of create that brand affiliation between the experience that's happening and the brand that you're drinking. Uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me. Well, this plays very well into the future of retail, and uh, this is this is an older story. But if you think about what we've always talked about, is that it is now about experience. So experience in the store, so experience in the bar. And if you were watching that video as it was playing, well, Steve was talking, you would see that the surprise and delight that it's creating as a result of that. When you pop open a beer, you don't know what's going to happen. It's the anticipation of what's going to happen. So a record might play, and you know, a cannon blast might go off, or something might shoot through the stars. Whatever it is, is that. Every time somebody opens a bottle, it creates a level of anticipation and it adds to that experience, yeah. which will draw people in. And, and that's that's a perfect example of what you have to do now if you're in the retail space, restaurant space, bar space. It's so competitive. I like, the, I like this. See, I mean, for, from from last year's show, I mean, Rob and I are older guys now. You know, you saw our kids last week. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we, we just didn't get enough alcohol over New Year's. So, you know, this is how we bring it to you is in, the, in, this, in this form of uh, storytelling. Conversation. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, t we talk about story. We talk about alcohol. That's right. We yeah, just don't exactly. do it. Yeah. Well, if you're interested in taking a look at that, it's an older story. Go to start-cap.com, start-cap.com. And, uh, of course, we'll lead up, uh, we'll link up to the uh, vodka-powered text message uh, story on the show notes. So if you head over to untether.tv and look up This Week in Location-Based Marketing, this is episode number 163. You will find the show notes with all the links that are required. And while you're there, you might as well sign up for the mailing list and, you know, sign up and get these podcasts uh, through an RSS feed. You might as well. And then when you do that, you might as well just rate them. You might as well. Boy, You're already there. You've gone that effort, right? You've typed it all in. You might as well just do it. So our third story uh, pisses me off. Okay. Yeah, I'm not happy about it either. So no, this is uh, so a little bit of background here is that Australia's largest record labels have launched legal action against restaurants and cafes uh, that have failed to pay licensing fees for background music. Background music, folks. The stuff that you hear in the restaurants, the stuff everywhere in the elevators. But these are smaller cafes. So the uh, Phonographic Performance Company of Australia, uh, it actually represents about 750 recording companies, has also clamped down on, the, on fitness centers, shops, nightclubs, and uh, you know that, that are just ignoring the copyright laws. Now, listen, I'm, I'm mixed to this, is that I think that uh, you know, there are laws for a reason and copyright laws protect the owners of the content. You know, what we have right here is Creative Commons. You can do with it what you want with this podcast, as long as you don't draw you know, mustaches on a Asif and I. Um, but you can do what, what you want with 
within parameters, uh, within specific parameters. The, now, there are copyright laws that you have to adhere to, right? So you can't rep you know, uh, reproduce music that you don't own. You can't play music on the radio that you don't own. There's these things. Uh, but I, I think so there's that side of it. I understand the legal standpoint of this. The flip side is that um, are, are, you know, are these guys hindering the growth of these 750 artists in Australia as these companies are now moving away from using that music and going to American music instead and just playing it there? And uh, maybe they're in copyright violation as well. So I, I think that this actually you know, hurts the music scene in Australia, but I don't know how to balance this requirement for copyright protection and the growth of the artists because they're under contract the artists yeah. this is their distribution well, i mean in, in the, the same article uh you know the, the uh, guy named john uh hart was quoted in it uh and he said it's the, these fees are totally ridiculous yeah. um because he says not only is it you know the uh, phonographic performance company of australia which is actually the one that represents not 750 artists, but 750 record companies. Record companies. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's also the uh, the Australian Performing Right Association, which is the one that represents the individual artists and composers. Yeah. And they also charge fees. So you've got like two sets of fees, uh, you know, and all these people going after all these little, you know, small little cafes and restaurants. These are, we're not talking about like you know McDonald's here, no. you know, big chains. We're it's talking about like not. you know the local coffee shop and the local you know Greek restaurant. Like one 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 uh, company in here was it was a Greek restaurant. Uh, let me find it. Um, the Greek Deli and, and Taverna. Uh, they failed to pay. They were fined thir about thirteen thousand bucks in license fees. Just I mean, to like, listen I, to music. Just to listen to music. I mean, like it's ridiculous, right? Um, and I, I'm with you. I mean, these people, these artists, I mean, we all know where the money is. Yes. The money is in concerts. It's in events. It's in all the other stuff. Merchandise. Not, you know, yeah, merchandise. Absolutely. So, you know, I think this is, you know, for me, this is this is troubling. Um, and not only troubling, you, you take this into the retail sector now. Not You yes. know, I mean, they, they mentioned that here briefly here. This is targeting mostly restaurants and but cafes. But gyms? They're going after nightclubs yeah, and gyms? Yeah, centers, nightclubs. I mean, but you take this into, into big retail, and all of a sudden, you know, all that background mu music that we hear, you know, it, it changes everything, right? Um, you know, and, and and I understand that people, you know, artists want to get paid for their stuff, and then there's copyrights and all of that. But you know, I think artists want to hear their music played, right? So here's the thing. You know, I just did a, some quick math here, and that thirteen thousand dollars was over four years. Um, I think that that they didn't pay. So if you just kind of think that on average the restaurant is open maybe sixteen hours a day. Four yeah. times 365 days, 16 hours a day, and you do a, you you do a whole bunch of multiplications and divisions, and it ten, comes out to the point that if an average song is three minutes in length, they played 7,786 songs, so it's two bucks a song basically is what it, it what ends up uh, the, the cost over those four years, uh, two dollars per 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 play or per song uh, that they played, and uh, how much of that really goes to the artists? Like that's the challenge here. We know that uh, such a small fraction of this money goes to the artists of anything of royalties. You know yeah. that, and everybody knows. Like Bruce Springsteen, you know, he made a lot of money with his last record. He's going to make a ton of money with his next record. Um, but in reality, he probably did about twenty or thirty million dollars in revenue as a result of his record. He did one hundred and ninety million dollars in ticket sales, and he did another eighty million dollars in merchandise sales. Yep. So you, the reason that they do this, it's like it, these podcasts is that, you know, we don't make any money off the podcast, but because we get our name out there and we get an audience, we can build the audience up like this. We know that we're seeding the world with this podcast yep. full of great information. And, and, and that's
that's just it, right? I mean, and that's where, you know, th this kind of stuff just creates more ammunition it does. for the, these restaurants and cafes to go and, and just turn to the radio or turn to Spotify or Pandora or RDO or any of these other guys. That or they just, can go, just go to MP3s. Yeah, or just right? go to yeah, exactly, right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, I, I think this just hinders the industry, uh, and it, and it's just grasping at you know so, you know revenue that you know the artist isn't really getting in anyways. So it's tough though. It's it's tough because I hate stories like this, but you understand that these laws are in there to protect the artists. But uh, right now, like they're asking, they said, listen, the the, the fine was what what fourteen thousand dollars or thirteen thousand uh, dollars, but they were asking for sixty thousand dollars in restitution. Like this is just a, this is like this is yeah, ridiculous. It's crazy. So, you, you know, shame on you for doing that, and and let the artists speak. And I'm pretty sure that if if uh, you could work on them and getting bigger distribution, and then work on uh, on concerts and merchandise instead of you know penalizing the small shops that are playing a song in the background while while you're sipping on a latte, it just doesn't make any sense. And if anything, you look at what Starbucks has done with the music industry, and you show see what they have managed to be able to do. That is what you should be emulating if you're if you're in this business. Is that leverage these small restaurants and chains and cafes to sell the music inside? Don't punish them. All right, I need I need to take a break. So let, let's let's get into our guest. Those are the first three stories. We're going to hit the last three stories right after we talk to David Rush, who is the founder a company called Earshot. Now, uh, David is also the founder of a company called Eavesdrop, and we've featured Eavesdrop a couple of times on the show. I've interviewed him yep. on, on Tether.tv before. And uh, here he is explaining what this change from Eavesdrop to Earshot is. Uh, e either way, I think he's in the same business, but we'll let David explain what's going on uh, with Earshot and their change of focus, uh, however slight it might be. So here's David Rush, the founder of Earshot, talking about his business. Well, uh, what is Earshot? Let, let's get that, get that through that. And then I want to talk about what happened with Eavesdrop. Sure. So Earshot is an evolution of, of Eavesdrop, and we can chat about you know how that evolution came to be. But um, we are a proximity-based engagement platform. Essentially, we are um, looking to uh, intelligently filter and present engagement opportunities to brands um, that are interested in connecting with people based on where they're standing at any Give time, um, and obviously where they're authoring social media posts. Um, idea being that those people within earshot of designated locations have a higher propensity to um, convert, transact, and oftentimes those locations um, have contextual relevance. So an REI or a North Face is interested in people that are at Yosemite or in Vail or hiking. Um, and so by understanding where people are standing, um, we can bring more um, meaning behind the way in which you can um, uh, find clever ways to engage people on social media and really um, uh, identify ways to create earned media, which today, as we see happening with um, you know examples like I think it was uh, uh, America West or whatever this week. And, and, WestJet, uh, yes, that's a Canadian West, company up here. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's yeah. obviously the most authentic, impactful form of marketing there is. So we believe that although advertising has its place, um, Location-based advertising um, can be stale to a degree, and if there's ways to enable more clever conversations uh, with people that were unsuspecting, uh, that can lead to new, you know, higher um, top-line revenues as well as um, we've got some ways to help decrease costs as well. You must you must love when these uh, guys, these big companies, come up with these kind of campaigns that really articulate in a really an emotionally impactful way the business that you guys are in. 
Yeah, and I think you know it really boils down to what the consumer is looking for from these brands. You look at you know Dollar Shave Club and what they were able to do, and you look at you know the the, the best brands out there today, whether it's Lululemon or Apple or Zappos, and, and what they've done is they've kind of redefined the rules for customer service, where it's not just being reactive anymore; it's being proactive and it's finding um, personalized ways to communicate directly with people that um, that are meaningful. And it doesn't mean that you you know send them a you know, I think a location-based ad based on the fact that they're a 34-year-old male and they like sports and so they should be getting, you know, ads that correspond to that. It's knowing that that particular person follows all of these brands on Twitter and they happen to be, you know, at this arena a week ago and they happen to um, like these brands on Facebook and that we believe is a better answer for um, who that person is and then where they're standing adds just a whole different dimension on there, again, probability of a transaction of some kind or a deeper emotional connection to a brand based on the type of communication that's sent to them. Is it, is it, uh, is it hard to sell this now? You know, because even a year ago, we talked about this a little bit. And, and you know, the, we've seen this market emerge. And, and I think that the, the level of knowledge that is now fluctuating through the industry is increasing at a rapid rate. But even as, as early as a year ago, and on this podcast I do with Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association, it's, you know, we're always stunned by sometimes the, the lack of adoption or lack of confidence in this kind of technology. Is it getting easier to sell? I think there's two parts to it. I mean, I think on the one hand, um, consumers' desire for privacy hasn't changed and people's expectations of, um, you know, not being creeped on um, continue to uh are resilient. So you have to find ways in which they feel like it was um, acceptable to communicate with them. Right. And I think that's um, becoming uh, better understood by the individuals at the brands that are being tasked with this, whether it's the community managers and their teams growing or the customer service people that are understanding how to communicate in 140 characters or less, you know, back Twitter for a customer service issue. So I think um, it, it's beginning to. Um, to grow and I think every brand is looking for ways because it's so logical to use location-based information to effectively engage and bring people in store. Um, I think as you said there's a lot of different stories out there and there's a lot of different um, approaches to it uh, but I do think that it will never change that privacy has to be respected um, with the consumer or you'll it'll, it'll backfire. That was David Rush uh, from Earshot. You can check him out. Check his company out at earshotinc.com and look for his episode that will be coming on on Tether.tv in the coming weeks. A little bit behind in publishing because I had so many before the holidays that I'm pushing out right now. So uh, bear with me. It will be up in January. Sign up for the mailing list and you will never miss another episode ever again. Ever, 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 ever again. Thank you, David, for being on This Week in Location-Based Marketing, and thank you for spending some time with me on Untether.tv. Back to the stories. Number four. All right. Our fourth story uh, is about print advertising, and so no, this no, no, specifically no, 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 we're no, no, talking No, 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 no. We're not doing a show. We're not doing a story about print. Come on. Yeah, of course we are, right? Because yeah. this, this show is about all media. All uh, print media. All media. Um, this is cool. Specifically, we're talking about Wired Magazine, um, and a, an ad that they ran for... The Moto X phone, um, and this was interesting because it uh, it basically incorporated some technology into the print ad itself. So they, you know, sort of like print. 
like almost a circuit board, you know, hidden underneath the uh, uh, the paper, uh, using polycarbonate uh, paper uh, and LED light pipes. And so you had this 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 Which picture. Which are not hash phone. pipes. Just so that you. What's know. that? There's there's a difference between pipes. light pipes and uh, hash LED, pipes. LED here. Yes. No 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 hash pipes going on here. Just saying. LED light pipes, um, and basically what would happen is, is you you could control this by pressing on one of the tabs at the bottom of the page. You could change the color of the phone in the print ad. Pretty cool. Um, so pretty cool, kind of fun. You know, an interesting way to get people to engage with with your ad and kind of remember, hey, that's the Moto X. I can get it in all these colors. Um, so that was kind of interesting, but. What really, you know, kind of got me hooked on this thing, uh, you know, as, as from a marketing campaign pers perspective, is not only did they sort of do this as a print piece, um, it was highly localized, only Chicago and New York, uh, so 153,000 subscription and newsstand readers uh, had access to this, and they tied this in um, with. Um, Bus shelter advertising and storefront advertising, outdoor advertising, basically, that also changed the color of the ad to match the uh, the people that were standing in front of those digital screens. Wicked. So that was kind of neat too. So this was all about promoting the fact that here's a phone, here's a device, you can get it in all these colors. We can show that to you in print advertising. We can show, we can you know reemphasize that in the digital out of home advertising as well, and all localized to Chicago and New York. You know, big markets. You know, where the, where you know you know big populations. That would be interested in this uh, in this device. So I love this stuff. What's it, what's this got to do with alcohol? Nothing, but what? you know, you know. Well, you know, maybe, maybe if you drink enough, you you know, you change color a little bit, know, and the ad right. changes. I don't know. You, well, you know, you might you might be in a mood for a different phone color. I, who knows? That's right. You wake up, you're like, I ordered the red one. Oh no, I ordered the pink one. I must have been drinking. Yeah, I must have been exactly. doing some kind of texting. You know, you're experiment. in the middle of you know throwing up or something, uh, and you got you know you got to have the green one. I I don't know. I, I really I, I like this you know the interactive piece of this we covered a, a, a year ago probably uh, the Lexus ad I think it was in Wired or it might have been in Esquire that actually did the, almost the same thing it looked like the lights were coming on and off if you put your iPad yeah. behind the page right so it's that kind of interactive I'm surprised that this doesn't happen more often but it's got to be pretty expensive and these limited rollouts uh, you know 153,000 people in New York and Chicago that is cool because it's it's targeting their market who they think that will be interested in this and it's a good test to see if this will actually you know this cross media cross platform advertisement will actually work it's pretty i like, I, I like this I, I do i do like this um print innovation and in print with moto x yes, go motorola and uh, yeah and wired i still read wired i don't know why but i still do read wired i think it's one of the best uh, best it technology um editorial magazines good long-form content so from pretty cool to a head-scratcher in our fifth story, uh, this is called The Merit Shop. And let me read to you what it is that, that, that you do here. So you sing a song, tell a joke, do whatever. You use creativity instead of money. So they call it a little corner shop of anarchy, and the value is all you. So uh, let me get this straight. So, you know, I can, uh, first of all, I don't know where they get the product from. But on the, on the site right now, if you go to themeritshop.org, and again, if you're looking for these links, you can come to the show notes on untether.tv. Just look for episode number 163. But uh, themeritshop.org, and some of these, you know, they put a bunch of products up, and one of them is like a, an iPod shuffle. And uh, you basically can do something creative and to, instead of cash to buy that iPod. And the winner is this guy who did a you know a, a connect version of remote controlling a, a you know a flying uh, helicopter little helicopter model, and uh, so they have that video and it's on YouTube. I just I don't I don't get it. Like I, 
I don't. Yeah, I mean, and and they they were asked specifically about the business model around this thing, yeah. and they said, well, it's not about that. Um, it's not about money. Clearly. Specifically, they said it's not about money for us. This is a project to see what happens to make some good in this world, uh, and they plan to uh, uh, film in other cities and see how others react, hoping that brands will donate more products. So they're getting the products from from corporate uh, brands. They're putting this up. They're hoping somebody's going to do something. Um, One of the products you know, was creative, um, and then the, they they can use the brand can use that video, I guess, uh, you know, as a promo piece. But it's not so doing it. So he, he's it's not. I mean, and, and and in one respect, you know, when I first read this story, when I when it first came across it, I was like, is this like a um, you know a non monetary version of a Zarly or a Task Rabbit or something like that? Um, you know, highly localized to San Francisco uh, in this particular case. Um, you know, and, and I, I could sort of see, you know, okay, yes, I, you know, I might be willing to swap my time, you know, to do something in exchange for something. But, you know, there's got to be products on here that people want, right? Um, Rice Krispies. What do you mean? They're cornflakes. Cornflakes, man. There's cornflakes. And yeah. an iPod Shuffle. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I, yeah, I think that so, so it, I struggle it, with this. It's got to be more interesting than this. Is that it's not just about doing something creative, and it's got to be something creative. If any brand is going to attack attach themselves to this, it has to be creative around the product that they're selling or that they're offering or the brand itself. Not just a remote control flying helicopter, dude. It's cool, but that has nothing to do with an iPod uh, Shuffle, right, or a Nano or whatever yeah. it was that they sold. So, if if a brand or not even it's not even Apple, it's the brand that donated that device because it's not Apple that donated it. Right. That device so uh, if this is going to work it would have to be around brand play so if you want cornflakes for some reason you can't afford the two bucks for cornflakes and you you want to do something creative around it is that then do something around the kellogg's brand to yeah. do something creative around that so that the brand can actually uh, attach themselves to it and then they can use the video because the video yeah, exactly. that they have up it's there, they can't. associated to the product yeah. right it's terrible like it can't be completely random yeah. uh, and that's what it no, is it's like a talent show right yeah so, so anyway TheMeritShop.org, uh, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on this simply yeah. because, uh, you know, this is a new way of, uh, you know, maybe it's a bartering way, but, uh, you know, if they can if they can answer that brand riddle, I think that there there might be an opportunity for these guys to turn it into revenue if they can build up their, their uh, follow list. But if you go to YouTube, they got like 66 people that follow their YouTube channel. So it's not really significant at this moment. They need like hundreds of thousands of people and the, and the prizes have to be a little bit more than, than cornflakes. There you go. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, right. maybe in a third world country. Yeah, maybe, maybe where where, where brand was all over this. Yes, it, it, it might work. It might work. Maybe but, I don't know. It's got it's got it's got some some kernels of you know possibility, but right now you know it's about execution, I, right? And and yeah, uh, I, I just can't see it. Well, it's anyhow, a, it's our next losers. story, however, is is very exciting. Well, we've been talking about this, our sixth story. Uh, yeah. We've been talking about this. I think, you know, this is, was, uh, for those people who have a spotty uh, driving record, a nightmare come true. Or for those people who pay too high uh, insurance because of those people with a spotty driving record, it, it's like a, a, um, a hope that we've been waiting for. And this is really Tata using your smartphone to basically... Uh, use turn your phone into a mobile telematics device to you know assess your driving capabilities and uh, my guess is reduce or increase insurance based on your driving skills huh it's got to be there doesn't it yeah I, I mean I, I this this makes sense to me right and, and it's also about cost right it, it's yeah. also about you know these insurance companies want to have you know usage based pricing let's just call it that that's it right um, and 
you know, the current model around that is, is okay, like, well, you know, you're, you're a customer of my insurance company. We'll ship some device out to you, put, plug this thing into your car. It's not, not you know, easy. so there's yeah. a cost to, you know, you know, buying all these devices in the first place, getting them out to the customers, yep. you know, having them equip them, their cars with these things just so you can benefit from usage-based pricing. Well, what they're saying is forget about all that. We don't need, we don't need all these separate devices. You already have a smartphone. Let's Carry just that enable that smartphone yep. to feed that same data back into us, and, and let's just do it, at, you know, in a much more efficient, cost-effective way. Yep. And th this is what I love about this: is it's all about simplicity. It's all about using what's already, uh, you know, in the hands of the of the consumer, and not having them to have to go and do anything else. Um, and ultimately, if if I can get lower insurance rates for doing it, why wouldn't I? Yep. And then, right? and that's exactly. And you remember that you remember that company. Um, the name escapes me now completely, but there was this company that we talked about. Uh, like six, seven months ago, when I, I, I had just come back from Singapore from Communic Asia, I met this company that I think is based in Brunei of all places, and um, the name's gone for me. But but they were they they had built an app for an insurance company there, and the app was basically you had this thing on your phone, you were a customer of the insurance company, and you were in a, in a in an accident, and basically using location. Within like minutes, they could get an adjuster out to your site, right. you know, to kind of, you know, you start filing the claim and get all that put together. You, you know, it becomes this kind of suite of tools all built into, you know, a single, you know, service, you know, a single app, if you will, you know, from your insurance company that is, you know, helping, you know, define what your rates are, helping get, you know, aid to you when you need it. You know, when you're in an accident, helping get the adjuster there to deal the claim. You know, all that coming together in a, in a single thing, and just using the device you already have. Yeah. Well, it, it, the time is coming for all of this, and you, you know, single t or tiered tiered pricing isn't good enough. It's customized pricing for insurance, and yeah. Tata, I, we're going to see start to see a lot of this, and it's going to be very controversial, hugely controversial, because you think about what what this what this means is that it is basically you're allowing it to find out where you drive, how often you drive, how fast you drive, how quickly you brake, how many passengers you take in your car, like all of those things that are around the driving experience are now no longer private. Um, and there's there's opportunity to be able to penalize for the smallest of things like yep. what happens if you're if you drive after 10 o'clock p.m. all the time. You know, four nights a week. Does that have an impact on your insurance? Now the insurance companies can look at this and think, well, you know what? That's a high risk. That is a high, high risk for people. We didn't know that about him before. So while his, his record is spotless, now he drives five nights out of the seven per week uh, after right. 10 p.m. And that's high risk. And you know what? He uh, he wears glasses. So we know that he wears glasses and he drives after 10 p.m. at night and he lives in Canada where it's always snowy and icy. Risk, risk, risk. And then all of a sudden your premiums go up, even though you haven't had an accident, because it's like precog for uh, for insurance. So we're going to start to see these conversations start to emerge, and it's going to be fascinating to watch, because I think that the guys like me who have a good, that's me knocking on wood, a good driving record think, look, I do not want to be penalized, but there might be my my yep. my rates might go up as a result of the fact of based on my driving. So, Absolutely. So uh, who knows? This is going to be fascinating to see. I might be complaining about this in a year. And I might be bitching about it like all the other bad drivers. Yeah, but you know, Tata just keeps rolling these things out. I like it. I like it. Well, those are the six stories. We covered quite a bit uh, during this episode. We had, obviously, Chuck Martin opened it up with our Mobile Minute. Open Bay is the app of the week. We had David Rush as our guest. 
uh, from Earshot, EarshotInc.com. And now it is time for our resource of the week, the customer experience. We talked a little bit about this um, around the, uh, uh, what was that story? The Strongbow story. You know, this is something that is absolutely necessary in order to be able to get customers in the door, keep them in the door, keep them satisfied. It's a great infographic, Asif. Yeah, I mean, I, lo I love this infographic. I, th I think it's, you know, it speaks to, um, you know, the importance. And we talk about this every single week, right? That The importance <laughs> of not just, you know, can I get traffic, you know, can I, can I send a deal to a mobile device to get traffic to a store? You know, do I got the right mobile payment system in place? Who cares about all that, right? Yeah. What it really is about is, you know, is Rob having a good experience at his car dealership? Right, nope. you know, or what have you, you know, what are you doing in your store that is unique that you know can only happen in that particular location that Amazon can't copy, right? right? Because you know they're not there; they don't have the physical footprint uh, to do that. So there's some great stats in here on the value of customer experience. Good experience grabs customers. Uh, Forty percent of people uh, begin purchasing from a competitive brand because of its reputation for great customer service. Yeah. Right? Rob might switch from Mazda. Right, if he can't, you know, get the service that he wants over there, uh, some some great data in here. Uh, there's a, a stat here: businesses are expected to spend 214.3 billion in advertising, uh, but only four percent of Americans trust advertising as the uh, as the most of a source for product of service information. Like that's insane. The, the, the disparity between those those numbers in terms of what we're spending on advertising as marketers. And and what four uh, percent of Americans trust, trust that advertising, yeah. right? That's insane, right? I, and, and, and it's so a losing it's not, game. It's, it, it, what it's saying is it's not about the advertising, right? No. It's the advertising is great in, in in getting people connected to the brand, but it's it's how they experience that brand when they're physically you know engaged at your store, at your restaurant, at your dealership, at your whatever, where they can buy your product. That is ultimately the you know the trigger of, of whether that. You know that affinity to your brand is going to is going to be continuous and last and 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 so on, right? So, you know, so some great numbers in here, Love and also it. great great uh, brands. They highlight the brands where where customers have the most uh, I don't know satisfaction. Yeah. Uh, in each industry, like the ones that you hear about all the time, JetBlue, Apple, Trader Joe's, Costco, State Farm, American Express, right? Like these are all and uh, online shopping. Uh, you know, it's covered right now, but yes, of course, it's Amazon. Online searching information. You know who that is? It's Google. These are the brands that consumers trust because of the experience that they have with those brands, and and yep. you know they're all top brands. So. This it is very. It's imperative that that experience that you have uh, is so good every single time. It's why they say you know like you know I I get those uh, questionnaires. You hear this when you go to a, a service bay like your your car service bay, and they say, hey, listen, if you get a questionnaire in the mail or an email for it, remember five stars. If you're not going to give us five stars, call me and we'll work something yep. out. Right? It's because it's so important for their ratings. They understand this, and and you can be sure that that Mazda dealership on Bank Street in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, uh, will not get five star ratings from me for their experience. And they know that that's so detrimental because it's what they're graded ag uh, against. And these companies understand that. And that's uh, this is a great infographic. So you can check it out at thelbma.com forward slash research. Right? Yep. Yeah, please, please, please go and check it out and just start giving a shit about your customers. Oh, my God. It's terrible. Customer service, folks. Basics 101. Customer service. There satisfy a customer and they will come back. Don't satisfy a customer. And it's not just that they won't come back. They will tell everybody not to go back there. 
Bank Street Mazda. Yeah, Bank Street Mazda. Bank Street Mazda. Well, the problem is, is that they they broke a sensor, so, right? So uh, my ABM sensor for my car, they broke it when they were fixing my car. So I have to go back to get that. So it's just it's just terrible. It's terrible. Anyway. That is our resource of the week. That is the show. Six stories, our app of the week, a mobile minute, a guest, resource, done, nailed, episode number 163, done. Asif, what else have we got to say? That's it. All right. Come, come see us at one of those LBMA events coming up. Uh, we'd love to connect with you in January. If you're in the travel uh, industry and you want to uh, get Rob and I to come and do something in Barbados, we're open to that. Oh, man. Um, let us know. Yes. But you know, other than that, it's uh, it's been a pleasure, Rob. Looking forward to a whole another year yes. of uh, This Week in Location-Based Marketing. We will be back for episode number 164 next week. Until then, folks, have a good one.